And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get the popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago. It's Adam Hogue. I do think he has the support of his teammates. Why would you not be rooting for him to succeed? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I don't mean to psychoanalyze this stuff, but this is what we do in Chicago. This is what we do with our quarterbacks, and this is the biggest story in town. Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogue and Johns, with you a week away from the NFL Draft and... We continue what has turned out to be our all-star guest lineup as we get closer and closer to the draft. It wasn't really planned, just sort of happened organically, but uh, it's been really fun the last few podcasts to bring in you know, voices that we really respect, and that continues today with Matt Bowen, Johnsy. He's the best. He's been coming on Hogan Johns since... Close to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Talking to him in the the convention center in Indianapolis during the combine. I think we've uh, we started doing that three, four years ago, right? Sitting on those those benches and those massive hallways and trying to find a quiet spot. Remember that you'd have like, and there's no quiet spots. No, there's no quiet spots. I remember doing it one time where they had those giant um, vacuums coming by oh well, yeah they yeah, were just, remember that yeah like the ones you ride on like they're yes. like 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 uh like lawnmowers that you ride yeah. yes well that's how big if if no one's ever been to the indiana convention center that's how big those hallways are where they have riding lawnmower like vacuums that these dudes ride and we tried doing a podcast with matt bone and this dude's going back and forth back and forth Oh, we'd have to. The good old days. That's back in the day. Speaking of another argument, that's a back in the day memory. Yeah. And I think there was a. That may have even been the time where uh, I think the recorder broke halfway through it. We had to like re record with him. But uh, Matt's the best. He always, that's why he always comes through with us. Uh, so welcome in. Hogan John's here with you again, week away from the draft. And uh, we're continuing our our coverage. Uh, the, the nice thing about today's episode, I know we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks. We will have some quarterback talk with Matt Bowen, but um, you know he's a defensive guy. So a lot of things on defensive backs, too, which corners a need for the Bears. Um, he really knows all the positions, especially in his role with ESPN and doing the NFL matchup show, which if you're not watching, that's one of the best things that uh, ESPN does with their football coverage is their um, the matchup show with Greg Cassell and uh, Sal Palantonio and Matt Bowen. They just do a great job breaking down the, the film every week. So if you're a football geek, and we know we have a lot of them that listen to this podcast, that's a, definitely something you should check out. Uh, you should follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns, 
And uh, you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. It's not out as we're recording. It'll probably be out by the time this episode comes out, Johnsy. You, you hear me every year talk about draft crushes. I use that term. Ah, he's a draft crush. Uh, an example is Terry McLaurin from a couple years ago. Good who, player. Uh, good yeah, good I, crush to have. I'll never forget uh, prepping for the Big Ten Championship game that year, the Northwestern's first game against Ohio State when they played down there. Uh, just watching film and Terry McLaurin's all over. I'm like, this guy's just always open. And so the point of the draft crush, it's like guys that might, some of them are obvious. Like, I'm not going to lie. Kyle Pitts is on there because how can you not like Kyle Pitts, right? You know, there's just nothing. He's just a football guy. He's fun to watch. And that's really, these are just guys I love to watch. Uh, I don't really necessarily care what their weaknesses are. Just feel, it's like almost like a gut feeling. Like they're just going to be good at the next level. So I've always talked about these guys. Johns, I decided this year to make a whole team, a draft crush team. I like so I got that, that. I got that coming out on NBC sports, Chicago.com uh, today. Uh, of course, Johnsy's coverage is all on the athletic, the athletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You should be subscribed. I, th- I think by the time you listen to this, um, the, the final 2021 athletic beat writer mock draft is going to be live. And Ooh. I think we did a two round, two rounds this time. And I just made my pick in the second round. And it's going to be a good one. Wow. Guess what I did too. If you're watching us on YouTube, and you should be, our YouTube channel, Hogan Johns. Oh, you did it? Printed it out. The Beast. The Beast is live. It's thick, dude. Look at this thing. I know. <laughs> you got tabs there. That's impressive. I put the I did the extra tabs. You know, FedEx gets it done. Um, not a show sponsor, but uh, they get a shout out there. It was not easy, but I figured it out, and uh, it's totally worth it. So I got the beast in front of me. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode with Dane Brugler, you should first of all you should go back and listen to it. Um, but he is the author of the beast, which uh, to me has become the premier draft guide. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah. it used to be Nolan Naraki's amazing uh, draft guide that he put out every year. Um, there's been a few, but I feel like Dane's has kind of taken over. And just the, the amount of information you get in here is ridiculous. Um, so if you are an athletic subscriber, it's included in your subscription. And I'm dead serious. Appreciate all the work you do, Johnsy. But this, this, the subscription price, it's worth the yeah. beast alone. Yeah, oh it yeah. just oh yeah. it just is, and on top of that, you get everything else. You get all the football coverage and every other sport you might like, um, all included. So the uh, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, uh, you should be subscribed, and you can get that. Um, There's still a good deal there. Yeah, it comes in a PDF on your computer. The Beast does. I did the extra thing to get it printed out. So it, but it is in a format that you can have printed out if you want, which I know at least one of our listeners has done because he tweeted at us. That was kind of my motivation. Like, all right. If we got listeners doing it, I got to do it too. Right, right. I, I always tell everybody like, this is this will be my pitch for the athletic today. It's always so much more than the me or, or the fish man or or Dan Pompey. There's just so much there. Like Bruce Feldman talked to 20 people in the league, and he's got this anonymous survey on the best players in the draft. Uh, Bob McGinn does his annual draft series, yeah. fielding opinions from all over the league, scouts, general managers, and, and whatnot. So. That's all in the athletic right now. It's just so much, so much there. Um, all right, enough of the plugs. 
Matt Bowen's on. He's awesome. Uh, the way he breaks down football is uh, is very unique, and uh, his knowledge of the game is just so good, and especially when it comes to these draft prospects. So here he is, our friend Matt Bowen. Okay, let's bring in our friend Matt Bowen. Always good to have him on the podcast. He's been in high demand lately. You know, we used to be the only ones that talked to him. Now, <laughs> now, now, now we can't get a hold of him. No, uh, he's always he always picks up the phone for us, and we appreciate it. Matt, good to have you on, especially with the draft just a week away. I appreciate it, guys. It's one of the best times of the season. Now, you get to talk about the prospects, the traits, the scheme fit in the National Football League. Um, it's one of my favorite times just to get into the tape, too. Uh, you have more time in the offseason, study the tape starts to get to know these prospects from a football perspective and how they would fit, you know, in offense and defensive schemes. And even with guys in the secondary, start saying, okay, can they be core four special teams players for you? So there's a lot to look at at this time of the year. Let's start with the quarterbacks because everything, every draft starts with the quarterbacks. And I'm curious, you're a Big Ten guy. Where do you stand on this Justin Fields debate? Like, it's where does he fit amongst your top quarterbacks in this draft? Uh, he's near the top for me. Uh, I think Justin Fields has, you know, high-level physical tools, high-level traits at the quarterback position. You know, really, we watch Justin Fields on tape, too, guys. He's a pocket thrower. That's what he is. He's a pocket thrower who can be schemed as a dual-threat runner on quarterback design rushers, and he also has the ability to escape and extend and create outside of structure. But I focus on him first as a pocket thrower. He's got the deep ball accuracy. He's got the arm talent to attack all levels of the field. He can make touch throws. It's one thing we talked about in the matchup show this past week, his ability to vary ball speeds, throw with both pace and touch or layered throws in the middle of the field. And I think if you put him in a heavily schemed NFL offense, what they all are right now in terms of the passing game, I think the evaluation is very similar to Justin Herbert from last year. Because if you look at Justin Herbert's college tape, you had some concerns. And with Justin Fields' college tape, at times, you have some concerns, whether that's based on offensive structure at Ohio State or getting the ball out a little quicker. But again, you're betting on the traits here. You're taking a player or a prospect with high-level traits, putting him in an NFL offense, which has more defined throws, which has more rhythm throws, which teaches him to throw with timing and rhythm. And then you take the traits and say, okay, now when things go south, he can get outside the pocket. He also brings a very physical element to the position. That's one thing I'm big on. You know, quarterbacks inside the pocket, can they navigate traffic? Can they work through bodies at their feet? And when they get outside, do they have ball carrier vision? And that's what you get with Justin Fields. I think he's, you know, if I was going to rank him, and I don't really rank players, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to be number one on everyone's board. But I think you have a real discussion at number two, whether that's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. So let me me throw out a hypothetical for you. If if you're a a QB needy team like – the Bears, and you're a desperate team like the Bears. Like, how close are you watching the 49ers in, in this Mac Jones buzz? And, and say the 49ers do pass on a Justin Fields at, at three. Like, do you throw everything on the table to move up to four with Atlanta to get a guy like Fields? Like, is is he – could you see the Bears doing it? Could you see other teams who need quarterbacks doing it? Like, is he worth something like that? That's a great question, Adam, because I think the draft does start at number three. You know, we all assume that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, right? And what San Francisco does is really going to dictate the top 10, top 15, even getting down to 20 where the Bears are. You know, who do they select? Is it Mac Jones? Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? Or is it something different that we're not even thinking about? We don't know yet, right? 
Um, but I think for the Bears, from the Bears' perspective, can they get up that high? I don't know. But can they get to eight or nine? Can they get to eight or nine? Can they get to 10 with Dallas? Who knows? But if someone slides out of that, you know, that mix right there, whether it's Jones or Fields or Lance, then I would be aggressive if I'm Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I would be aggressive in that situation. Because right now, and we both know that, you know, Andy Dalton, I believe he can function and produce in that offense. Okay, does he bring a high ceiling to that offense? I don't know. I don't think he does. But if you don't get a quarterback in this year's class, what you're doing is you're just living year to year at the position. When you live year to year at the position, that's what you have to continue to do. Continue to go back to that free agent market, hand out one-year deals, try to build a bridge to an eventual younger player, but you have to have that younger player within your system. So if the Bears don't get one of the top five quarterbacks and aren't aggressive, or if all the top five quarterbacks are gone, let's say there's not a lot of movement in the top 10, we see all the top five quarterbacks go, then the Bears have to start thinking, okay, is there a day two prospect we can target? And do we have to trade up from our day two spot to get one of those second tier quarterbacks? Well, that's a a good spot for me to ask you about Kellen Mond then, because Mm -hmm. here's a guy that that, uh, a couple analysts out there have here and there talked up as even potentially maybe even a first round talent. That doesn't seem to be the consensus, but all that matters on draft day is what one team thinks about a player. If that one team says he's a first round talent, we feel like we want to get him at the end of the first round where uh, we got that fifth-year option then on the back end of, of his rookie deal. It, it seems to me like something that could be a possibility. What have you liked about or not liked about Kellen Mond uh, in your evaluation? Well, I do think Kellen Mond is in that you know that second-tier group. That's how I would put it. You know, uh, a day-two pick. Where that happens, we don't know yet. But I do think he has the traits to be developed within a system and eventually – work to being a starter. You know, he's got a real quick twitchy release. He's going to fit in today's NFL because of RBO throws and quick game throws. He's got arm talent. There's no question about his arm talent. He can push the ball down the field. Excellent as a mover outside the pocket and throwing on the run. That shows up consistently on his tape. You look at Texas A&M, what they did this past year. More pro-style concepts, more play action. I think he can develop into a play action thrower in the National Football League when he can work under center or out of the gun. He does give you dual threat ability. You can scheme on quarterback design runs. Now, at times, I think he can be too mechanical in the pocket as a thrower. But again, is that something you can teach and coach? Sure, it can. That's something we have to discuss with all these players, regardless of position. You know, when they get to the NFL, it's another level of coaching. You know, and and you can develop in the NFL. You can make strides in in both your technique, um, your play style, your play speed because of how you adjust to pro-level coaching. But Kellen Mond, to answer your question, Adam, sure, he does have traits. He has traits that fit in today's NFL. You just have to decide if you're the Bears and you're in that second-tier range, is it someone like Kalamon, or, or do you go with the more pocket-style thrower, as in David, Davis Mills from Stanford, who's a former five-star recruit, has really high-level arm talent, doesn't have you know, the consistent ability to escape and extend like a Kalamon does outside of structure. But with the footwork he shows in the pocket, can he be one of those quarterbacks that navigates traffic? consistently resets his throwing window within the side, within the pocket and utilizes the high-end arm talent to attack vertically and, in, and on intermediate throws because you can scheme him too. Off play action like we saw at Stanford, he can run boot, he can get to the edge of the pocket. So there are traits there too with Davis Mills. Mine would seem to be a guy that, at least in my opinion, would, would appeal to, to, to Matt Nagy, but I think a lot of times – 
at least in my opinion, we get confused about what Matt Nagy wants, right? Because like, Andy right. Dalton and Nick Foles are different than Mitch Trubisky just in terms of athleticism and all sorts of things, things they do well in the NFL. And then we, we know the Chiefs and Matt Nagy is part of that evaluation. They reached their consensus on Patrick Mahomes. So, like, who do you think, like a Matt Nagy, like who do you think Matt Nagy would like? Like would he like a Kellen Mann? Or do you think he would prefer – uh, like the pocket passer, Mac Jones. Do do we even know? Like like, what does Matt Nagy like? Like, what do you think? Well, I do think, guys, in, in today's league, you have to have some level of ability to escape an extent. Okay, and I'm not saying you have to have high end second reaction ability like a Rogers, Wilson, or Patrick Mahomes to that level, but you have to have some level of ability to move in today's NFL. And, and based on Matt Nagy's offense, like you said, Adam, coming from Kansas City, and the amount of movement they want at the position. I think they would target a Kilima. I think they would now, but at the end of the day, too, you have to be able to master the throws in the pocket, right? With yeah. all the movement traits we talk about, second reaction ability, someone like a Zach Wilson, for example, who can make these off-platform throws that you can't really coach. Okay, that, that, that's natural talent. I call that unco- those uncoachable traits. But can can you consistently throw from the pocket? And I think that ultimately, uh, the Bears to move on from Mitchell Trubisky was the inaccuracy and the limitations he brought as a pocket thrower. And he didn't develop his lower body mechanics, didn't develop his field vision to the point where Matt Nagy trusted him consistently. And I think that's what he's trying to do with Andy Dalton. Get a veteran quarterback who's been in every single NFL situation possible. We understand that. Has enough movement traits to be schemed on boot and sprint concepts and can escape enough to get out of trouble. But ultimately, I do think he wants someone who has that movement ability. And I would, too, as a coach. I would. I think you need that today's NFL. You should be following Matt on Twitter. A lot of great uh, NFL draft coverage and, and videos to to look at. Breakdown piece, of course. You can find him on the NFL Matchup Show, too, on ESPN. And his Twitter handle is at MattBowen41. I want to shift the defense a little bit. Um, oh, Actually, let's go back a little bit even to, to some offseason news, and then I'll, I'll spin it forward to the draft. But what did you think about the Bears' decision to promote Sean Desai into that defensive coordinator role? And then what are maybe some prospects as we continue to talk offense, 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 offense with these Bears? Uh, what are some maybe defensive backs that fit what Sean Desai might want to do defensively? Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting move because you're you're promoting a coach who's never really commanded the, the entire room, right? And that can be challenging at first, but I also think that plays into why they brought Mike Pettin in because then you get a veteran voice who can help in situations that a younger coach hasn't experienced yet. But I like to move. I like to move because I think what it leads to, and again, I'm speculating here, but I think what it leads to is getting back to the scheme in the terms of the ability to create matchups that we saw under Vic Fangio. And I think that's really what the Bears want to be. If you look at Vic in Denver, you look at Brandon Staley, what he did with the Rams last year and what he's going to do with the Chargers this year. Yes, they play split safety coverage. And really, guys, that's where the league's going right now. It is becoming more split safety heavy for a couple of reasons. One, to eliminate explosive plays down the field with two high safeties. The ability to cut crossers and inbreakers, which we see consistently in the NFL right now. You need aggressive safety who have half-field range and can drive top down the ball with short area speed. The Bears have that in the secondary. But also up front, I always go back to the Rams from last year. We did them a bunch of matchup. And I understand that, Aaron Donald. We, we all understand that. But the Bears have talent on that defensive line, too. We know that. So can you scheme them? Can you use more creative fronts? Can you use tilted fronts to get schemed one-on-ones consistently for Khalil Mack? Can you use more twists and stunts inside? Can you bring five-man fronts 
and twist and stunt and slant to get those key matchups. I think that's where the Bears are going to go from a coaching perspective on that side of the football because they have the talent. But ultimately, at the end of the day, scheme is one thing. Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, more consistent playmaking. That's what you need in that defense round because you have the talent right there. And the first thing I would do with Eddie, if I was a coach, I'd sit down with him in the offseason. I'd go back to the 2018 film and say, look, we're going to run this scheme. This is what we're going to do this year. Tell me what you like. Tell me why you made this play. I'd bring up all his impact plays. I'd say, how can we recreate this? How can we get you back to that level where you are a pro ball safety, you are a ball hawk in the secondary, that people are afraid to throw it? Because I thought that in 2018. So what do we do to get back to that? Tell me what systems you like. Tell me where you like to line. Do you like to play more single high than split safety? We can try to work that in. Where do you like to spin down the cup? I would get that all out in front so I'd have a better idea of how to coach. For like replacing Kyle Fuller is not going to be easy, but like in Ryan Pace's history, at least in terms of building his defenses, he would pair a young cornerback with, with a veteran. And I think Desmond Trufant this time is the veteran where Kyle Fuller was that veteran. You still have Jalen Johnson. So like at 20, I, I find that to be a curious range for a cornerback because it's an obvious need, but the bears have obvious holes on offense too, maybe receiver offensive line. Right. But in terms of maybe finding that cornerback that could complement Jalen Johnson and knowing how flexible Sean Desai could be. Like you look at Prince Mukamara, press man, Kyle Fuller would play off a little bit, like right. having that flexibility. Like who do you like at 20 if the bears have to take a corner or their board tells them to take a corner? Like who stands out to you? And, and I have to bring up Greg Newsom here because Adam would kill me if I didn't. So what do you think he fits possibly with the bears? I think Greg Newsom would be a really, really easy scheme fit. And I think Adam would agree just because of what he did at Northwestern. He can play press, man. He's got length to create on the ball production, but also Northwestern played single high zones, played split safety zone. I look at Greg Newsom and I, I see someone who's a smooth mover, an easy mover, who's a technician. When you watch Newsom on tape, simple things you look for as a, a defensive back coach. Can you keep your shoulders square? Can you maintain your cushion? Do you have enough transition speed out of your pedal to break downhill in the football, which we saw consistently with Kyle Fuller and his ability to play off coverage, but also in those man-to-man situations, because as much as the Bears will be split safety coverage, everyone in the league wants to eventually run man in certain situations, yep. whether it's third and two to six inside the 10-yard line, which I call the low red zone. Those are the situations you want guys to challenge wide receivers. You got to line up and press. You got to take away the slant and the fade. You have to be able to squeeze the hip of crossers and undercut to make a play in the football. You need those guys in your secondary. There's no question that Greg Newsom would fit. We understand, and Adam knows this, unbelievable numbers from his pro day. Okay? I think, Adam, what he run the high four threes? Yeah, uh, that was the question. Like, how just how fast would he, would he run? Because I don't know if that was just Northwestern stigma or whatever, but he answered those questions at his pro day. He sure did. So I think that's the range, guys, where he will go. You know, in that back half of the first round. There's a lot of teams that are going to be looking at a corner there. But I do think this. You can never have enough defensive backs. You just can't. You know, in today's NFL, when you play, you know, so much sub package, you need defensive backs. You need defensive backs to cover on kicks. Um, and we all know now with an extra game uh, for the season, you're going to need depth in the second half. And you're going to need depth to play against Aaron Rodgers. And that's ultimately what you get to is how do we win our division? You know, we need defensive backs to beat the Packers. You have to have that uh, in your secondary. So to answer your question, if at 20, 
you know, obviously we'll see if, if a corner like JC Horn from South Carolina slides, because again, we don't know. Yeah. You know, that, that JC Horn, I would put him right behind Patrick Sertan as one of the top corners in this class because he's got the press man skills. He can create on the ball production. He's a willing tackler. I don't think he's as strong as a tackler as Newsom is, but he's a willing tackler. Anytime in the secondary, you don't need to have Steve Atwater at the cornerback position, okay? But you need to have someone that is willing to tackle, and you can coach that up. You can create that technique during practice and during mini camp and during training camp and the preseason games as well. But J.C. Horn, if he slides, I mean, that would be a good fit for them as well. As a, as a former defensive back, who are some of the wide receivers that would just be a nightmare to cover? And uh, I, I mean, I, there's obviously the the obvious candidates and Waddle and and Devonta mm-hmm. Smith, who's just always open. But I mean, are there any of the maybe second tier wideouts that you really like? I do because I think that's a, a spot where the Bears could go wide receiver, and this is why. I think that if you look at their current construction of the roster right now, is the missing piece. You know, in my opinion, is just someone who can be deployed or utilized like Tyreek. Okay, because it's the same offense we're looking at that Andy Reid runs, and someone who can stretch the field on overs and crossers. Someone can be that motion movement player for you. You can manufacture touches for them, which we've seen Matt Nagy try to do with multiple guys. You know, Patterson, Miller, multiple guys he tried to try to work into that into that role. But manufactured touches are fly sweeps, jet sweeps, reverses, backfield alignment, screen game, in addition to what they can do after the catch. Someone who is as high level catch and run traits and a couple guys right there. Kadarius Tony from Florida, ultra sudden, I mean, his sudden ability jumps off the tape. You want to cover him on an option route. Good luck. And then you have to catch him in the open field. Cause he can slice up defenses. He's got that ball carrier. Version. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. I think he's, a, he has the toughness to be a consistent volume slot target in the NFL. He's got good, long, long speed down the field, but again, can also be schemed. There's a play. We're going to show in the matchup show next week when he's running all go H seam when he's aligned in the backfield, running the seam route. There's different things he can do. Rondale Moore. Maybe Rondale Moore is not a 20. Maybe he's in the second round out of Purdue. I know he measured it at five foot seven. If you want someone with dynamic playmaking ability, that's Rondale Moore. Tough too. Because he's a kick returner too. So you do get that physicality in the open field, that ball carrier vision in the open field. Extremely sudden at the top of the route and after the catch. Those are three guys right there. You know, later in the draft, I'd also mention Amari Rogers from Clemson. You know, Amari Rogers from Clemson can be schemed out of the backfield, does have enough vertical speed to stretch you from the slot. And even later, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Okay, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. We're going to break him down next week in the matchup show. If you look at the construction of the Western Michigan offense, heavy RPO, right? The ability to catch the quick slant or what I call the glance route. It's just catch and go. And he's a, he's a little tight in terms of functional hip tightness, but in terms of straight line, acceleration, easy juice in the open field, Dwayne Eskridge is a wide receiver you can target in this draft as well. I think Bears fans would be upset if we didn't ask about any offensive linemen. Because um, right. I, I feel like at least a lot of them, a good portion of them have become obsessed with upgrading at, at tackle. And put your former safety hat on, on again if you can, like, some of these guys are Tevin Jenkins, Christian Derrissaw, Liam Eikenberg from, from from Notre Dame. Like when you see these guys, not just in past sets, but when you know they reach the second level. Like, what are you seeing from them? What do you like? Don't like about some of these guys? And I'm curious just about the 
the value of offensive linemen in the late first round, the, the range of them, like where do you see good value for taking maybe one of the second tier offensive tackles? Well, I think the value right there is at number 20. You mentioned Darcel from Virginia Tech. I mean, that's a left tackle. I mean, he's got length. He's got movement traits. He can mirror and slide off the edge, but he can also drop his anchor and take on speed to power or bull rush. He's got enough fluid ability to climb to the second level as a backside cutoff player on zone plays where he can climb, get up to the linebacker, cut him off to create that natural cutback lane for the running back. I really like him. I think he's an ascending talent. And that would be, if you're a Bears fan and they draft Darsa 20, you should be excited because he's a guy that can play the left side of the offensive line. Jenkins, I think, is more of a right tackle. But you want someone who's going to bury you in the run game? <laughs> he will finish. He's got finishing ability. I always say, do you have the ability to, to reset the line of scrimmage, whether offensively or defensively? He has that ability at the right tackle position, I think, in the NFL, where he can reset the line of scrimmage and move people off the football. I think those are two right there. We're talking about number 20. If the Bears do go offensive tackle, that would fit. There's no question. All right, I always get ripped for, you know, touting my Wisconsin and Northwestern guys. But then I always say, you know, I don't I don't tout the guys I don't like. You know, I'm not right. out here saying uh, you should draft Riley Lees in the fourth round. Adam, uh, Adam when, I, when I write for ESPN, I will create categories. Just put Iowa guys in there. I'll just make yeah. them up. <laughs> I will. So I understand. I mean, if there's an Iowa guy that's draftable, I will write about it. There's no question about it. And I will – I have a piece coming out on Friday – of uh i call it it's the draft superlative so it's the best at every position don't worry there's an iowa guy in there okay <laughs> well i don't know if you want to spoil it but i was going to ask you i mean who are the iowa guys uh that you like or or, or maybe don't like I, I mean smith marset the wide receiver is Ooh. interesting to me because you know saw him play um you know pretty much every year that that he's been there in person and guy makes plays but i know he's not really being talked about as one of the top wide receivers no, he's not. I think if you were going to create a category for sleepers at the wide receiver position, you know, whether it's late day two or even in day three, uh, Smith Marset's going to fit there. Uh, you know, he's got tremendous upside in the special teams, first of all. Okay. He was coached by LeVar Woods at the University of Iowa, who's one of the best special teams coaches in the country. And Smith Marset, he's got easy juice, straight line acceleration, ball carrier vision in the open field. Uh, he's going to upgrade your kick return game immediately. Um, but as a wide receiver, too, guys, you can scheme for him. He can run the deep overs and the crossers. He's got separation ability. And I think today in today's NFL, and I've said this before, and obviously we know there's, there's outstanding route runners. Allen Robinson here in Chicago is one of, one of the best in the league. Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams. Do you have to be such a detailed route runner in today's league if you are a guy that's scheme? I mean, we talked earlier about motion and movement, guys. Can you take someone like a Smith-Marset and put him in, move, in motion to get him free access off the line of scrimmage. Could he put him in bunch and stack sets? Again, free access off the line of scrimmage so where they can win off the release, and then their traits take over. Then their traits take over. Now you can scheme on deep overs out of three-by-one sets. Now you can get them loose on shallow crossers. And all you're trying to do is get them that free access so you can get the football in their hands so where they can become difference makers in the pass game. And Smith-Marset obviously doesn't have the same traits of an Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, but if you're talking about value in the draft and someone who also gives you immediate upside in your special teams, he's a player I would target. I, I need to save myself now because, uh, you, you know, I, I coach with Riley Lee's brother uh, at Carmel. So I would gladly take him as a priority free agent. I'm just not, you know, touting him in the fourth, the fourth round. Uh, so, yeah. 
Anyway, Matt, we appreciate the the insight. Johns, you got anything else? No, we're, we're good. I thought you were going to segue to the Catholic League football conversation. I mean, we could a do a whole podcast on that. I'd be happy <laughs> yes. to. I'd be happy to. We got you know. No, I think it's great that you're coaching, and and you'll understand that there's there's obviously personal benefits that you'll experience. Um, it, it creates energy for you daily when you're on the practice. It's one of my favorite things about high school coaching. And I've said publicly before, I need it. You know, I, I, I need to be in an environment with like-minded people. Okay. And for me, that's on the football field. That has helped me tremendously. Having a passion outside of my family and work with, with coaching high school, the high school level has been tremendous in terms of the mental boost it gives me. But you'll start to see how much it matters in terms of building relationships with high school athletes. And how much you can influence them, because that matters so much, especially in the time we're in right now, where getting these players back in the football field has created immediate energy. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their mannerisms. And it's one of my favorite things about coaching at that level is to see kids develop both athletically, academically and socially because of what football provides. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. So you're going to enjoy it. I'm glad you're doing it. And if you guys ever want to talk about putting a game together. Yeah, to now we're yeah, talking. I don't, know, I don't know where the fall schedule is, but we might have to talk about that. I'm, re- I'm ready to go. It's, uh, and you're right. It's been incredibly rewarding already. No question about it. Uh, love it. And um, like you said, I mean, more importantly, for, for the on the kids' side of it, that they're getting stuff out of it. When, when they do and you see that kind of click, it's, it is incredibly rewarding. So um, it's... Matt, thanks so much for the time. We always appreciate it, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to set we'll have to set something up for the fall. Hey, and if you guys want to talk post draft, just let me know. There'll be a lot to talk about there too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right, Matt Bowen, follow him on Twitter thanks, at Matt Bowen forty one. Thank you guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, a lot of good uh, information there from Matt. And uh, I don't know. You think we should schedule that game? Yes. I mean, first of all, let me be honest. I have no power to do such a thing <laughs> at all. So I have zero say. But you're like the middleman. You know Matt. You yeah. know J-Mac. Um, well, Matt well, knows they know, J-Mac. They know, they know each other too. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I know Matt's an assistant and J-Mac's a head coach. But you, you can make this work. 
I imagine the scheduling will be interesting. And I think it's a good test for both sides. Like I see Immaculate Conception is the the proven winner at the lower levels of the IHSA and Carmel's. You guys are getting that program rejuvenated. So good test. You know, it's a larger school, but good test both ways. It would be a good test. So we'll and then you can come up. face my dons if you really want to challenge. I don't know. I, you know, I gotta, I gotta just say something. I am the the, the Catholic League. What it's beca- I'm so confused by it. You know, w- when I was at Ignatius, it was just we had the Chicago Catholic League. I know there was the suburban leagues too, but like I, you know, go, last week we played at Brother Rice. That was like a nostalgic for me because you know the amount of games I played at Brother Rice gro- growing up. I mean, it was a ton. Um, and you know, in multiple sports. So we're playing brother rice. We're playing, uh, St. Pat's. Uh, I'm just like, why you beat St. Pat's? Let's, let's clarify. We beat St. Pat's. We beat St. Pat's, but I'm just confused why there's the, the, the there's divisions, there's colors. There's all, I'm just like, I just give me the schedule. Who do we play this week? I don't <laughs> I'm like I'm like See, turning they, into a real football coach. Yeah, that's the coach. You know, you're on the next week, and you play who's on the schedule. I, 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 I like it's it. amazing. You know, you sit here and rip them for like not knowing who you play in two weeks, but like it's serious. Once you start getting into it, it's like I don't, I don't, I do not care what Brother Rice does this week or what they've done in the past. It's just like, what does the film say? Break it down. What are the matchups? How do you win this week? That's all it is. It's it's crazy. But I have to. So I ha- so I haven't even taken the time, Johns. You probably know better than me. I know, like the suburban Catholic leagues have merged with the Chicago Catholic leagues. Now they're all intertwined. There's divisions and colors, and it doesn't make any and, sense. Yeah, to and me, then but. there's oh, tears since we're using draft lingo a lot this week. Um, Is it like relegation? Can you like move up and down? Yes, yes, you can. But oh. some of it's limited based on size. But oh, the success will will move some schools up and down. You know, if the the size allows for it. Now, I I could be wrong in 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 saying all this, but that's my understanding reading what I've read from Michael Bryan from the sun times, or just talking to Michael Bryan or Mike Clark from the sun times, or talking to the high school football coaches that I know well, guys like you, but um, you know, I love high school football. I still got to do my homework. I'm just learning our program right now and our opponents. And I'm like, what is all this? Yes. Um, all right. That's not why you're here. All right. So let's move on. Let's move the conversation back to something we talked on, on Tuesday round two. Round two. I don't. First of all, let me just. I don't think. I, th- I think we're talking about two different things. I don't think there's like Probably. really a, de- a debate here. Um, but anyway, you wanted to bring this up, so what's up? No, I, well, you continued the conversation on Twitter. Now I just want to be a part of it. Uh, well, a couple of our listeners brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think where I'm at in terms of well, let's go back to what we talked about uh, a couple days ago. It's the idea of drafting a quarterback like Kellen Mond if your board says so at number 20 and I, I guess that makes sense and it, it's it's mentioning conviction and consensus and all this stuff you could throw in collaboration there the three C's the Chicago Bears right well and um, just to just to quickly interject I mean that it's kind of the crux of my point like so if that team whatever team it is Bears whoever that's how they grade Kellen Mond and this is just him hypothetically everyone else might call it a reach but my all my point is is that for that team, they're not reaching on their own draft board, which is all that they're paying attention to. I just yeah. I just think that like sometimes the public, the, whether that's media, whether that's fans, they just don't understand that if you were to actually get into every draft room on draft night, the draft boards 
some may generally look the same, but they're a lot different. First of all, there's not 500 prospects sitting on there. No, no, it no. gets I, narrowed down to yeah, like a yeah. hundred. Yeah, yeah. For, for yeah, for some teams, it's like 150 and whatnot. Um, I know the Bears can vary, but yeah, like other than like the top five, top ten guys, like predicting Roquan Smith to the Bears in 2018 was easy because he was top ten. Like the consensus was he a top ten uh, player, and that probably goes uh, with, with every team. Uh, um. I think where I struggle with this is like the idea with conviction with the Bears. Like I feel like conviction should be questioned now. And like you look at Ryan Pace's draft history, he's got eight move ups, three trade backs, and it's it's almost just time to to play the value of the board. And I don't want to say have less conviction because you don't want to have that, but they're always going to sell picks as conviction, right? Like, you know, that's going to be part of the pitch that comes after these drafts. Everybody likes their drafts uh, the day after they, they happen, or at least they say that publicly. But I just feel with the Bears, especially at number 20, which is, his history says, is the perfect range just to, to move around, to move up for a guy, to move back for a guy and get draft capital. It just happens every year. With the Bears, they're at the point where internally certain conviction like moves should be questioned because we we've seen a miss on Trubisky. We've seen a miss. I don't want to say Leonard Floyd was a miss because I still think he's a good player, but he's still not on the team right now. You moved up for him. Anthony Miller, you moved up for him. Like your best convic- conviction move-ups have been in the mid to late rounds. David Montgomery, it's a good move up. Eddie Jackson, that's a good move up. But the guys in the first couple rounds that conviction should be questioned, and that should be part of what changes about your philosophy if we're really trying to change things in 2021. Does that make sense to you? No, that makes sense. I, that, that's why I, I just I, I I think I think what we're both saying makes sense. That's what, what my point was. I think we're talking about like two different things. Um, I mean, essentially, what you're saying, you're not you're not debating what I'm saying. You're just saying that. It boils down to the same thing I was saying the other day. Actually, at the end of the day, you just you got to be right about the evaluation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm questioning the merits of the Bears' conviction at this point, right? But what and you're I, really yeah. doing, yeah, what you're really doing is questioning their evaluation. Correct. That I mean that that's it, which again goes back to what my point has now been for years, really since the Mitch Trubisky trade. As much as people focus on those draft picks, it's not the draft picks that were the problem. It's the evaluation of Trubisky that was the problem. Because, again, and I've said this so many times over the years, if Trubisky works out, no one cares about those picks. They just don't. Whether it was a necessary move up or not. And I think what we've learned most likely over the years that it was not necessary. But I still understand the logic. I understand the logic that if you're that sold on a player that you're worried someone else could be calling the 49ers and moving up for what's what's a third-round pick or what's a fifth-round pick or whatever it is to make sure you get your guy. I think we can both be right here is what I'm saying. Yeah, Because think- what, what you're saying, though, what you're saying is that as we sit back and look at it, the Bears have not earned the benefit of the doubt that they're going to get the evaluation right. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, you have to learn from your mistakes, right? 
Like, so why does my board tell me to go get this guy that doesn't really pan out? You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to fix these mistakes. You have to learn from these mistakes. You have to adjust your eternal evaluations, your grades that you use. Because if this is what my board is telling me to do, and my history, at least in the first and second rounds, isn't that good, like, we need to question or retool this process in order to to get it right. Um, I, I, I just think what it sounds like you're saying is that and I agree, you always learn from your mistakes. To me, you, you got to focus more on the what mistakes have you made in the evaluations. Like, why were those guys in those tiers that you have to go target? Like, you know, I, you know? I, I wouldn't necessarily just stop trading up in general, which it sounds like you're saying. Because then you're doubting your own, then you're doubting yourself. Yeah. Now you're going into this with doubt. And if that's really the case, then you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have the job that you have. I mean, it's become such a, and I don't know that it's become that big of a problem. Like certainly the pace era, they have not hit on all their early picks. They've also come up with some really good late round picks. I haven't done this, but I'd love to stack up the Bears' late round picks with all the other teams. I'd have to imagine they're in the top. Well, I actually top I ten. Think, no, you're you're 100 right in that. Yeah. But again, it goes back to learning from your mistakes. Like, why are we better at drafting? On day three, how can we get better at drafting on day one and day two? Like, what are we missing in our values? What's wrong with our board? Like, these are the questions that have to be asked because you have an aging roster. Like, you, you've missed on some high-end picks. You missed on the quarterback. Like, these things need to to be evaluated. Let, let me just leave you with, with this thought, um, especially in terms of, like, trade value and, and, and whatnot. This was from... Uh, Ravens GM, Eric DaCosta, I think the other day, but I'm reading from The Athletic. Um, DaCosta was asked about a recent New York Post story that had the Ravens as the top drafting team in the NFL over the past five years. His explanation? We've probably had the most picks over that span, he said. I look at the draft, and in many ways, I'd have to say it's a luck-driven process. If you have more picks, you're going to hit on more good players. That goes back to a philosophy that I think Ozzie, Ozzie Newsom, started back in 1996. We started really going after comp picks. We tried to trade back as much as we could at any given round. There's no quite, I mean, there's, there's, now you still have to be good at your evaluations, but this is where, and this kind of gets in that. I saw Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl tweeting about this a little bit, like the word crapshoot. Yeah, and how it, that's almost insulting, and it, and and I get where he was coming from. I I think the problem is is when we start talking about it being luck or crapshoot or things like that, it's not so much that like the evaluations don't matter, and you just any year you draft ten guys, a certain amount's going to work out, a certain amounts not. Like you still have to be good at your evaluations. But the problem and the frustrating thing with the draft is, like I don't look at Anthony Miller like a bad evaluation. Like he's talented. I to this day understand why the Bears drafted him. But it's that other part that you can't always know with young kids coming out of college. That's what we forget. They're kids. A lot of these guys that look at here in the Beast, they're not even 21 years old yet. A lot of them. Can't buy a beer. And I look back at me when I was 20, 21. Like, you grow up, you mature, you change. You are shotgunning beers and going to toga parties. (laughs) Not toga parties. We didn't do toga parties. I didn't really shotgun either. The beer, beer bongs were the beer, beer bongs were okay. a thing at Wisconsin. I'm not gonna lie. You ever seen those two story ones? Uh, getting ready for if you ever no, go I, to Madison for a yeah, football no, game? I've seen them. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've got the, you know, you got 20 people on the uh, upstairs porch that definitely should not be holding 20 people. <laughs> and then you got 20 people below them. And this is actually a serious thing that probably should not be happening. I'm sure the fire marshal's not too happy about it. But then you got the bong that's going down from the second story to like the random person just walking by, headed yeah. to the game that wants a, you know, a free beer and they do it. Free too. But it, isn't that like the. You mentioned it's fun. Like it's irresponsible. Yeah, yeah, but they're you're a college kid and these guys are college kids. You grow and, out of it. And, and now they're about Some to people be, don't. Some don't. Some don't. But that's that's part of this, right? Is you're drafting kids and you, you just don't know. But that's the point of the Ravens. Yeah. Like you're gonna miss on fifty of your picks, but if you take twelve guys, six you got right. Uh, I mean Ryan Pace has had drafts that have had five guys. You know, yeah. And, and if you look at that draft, look at the draft with five guys. You know what I'm talking about? They got two of them right. <sighs> I'm telling you, right. I'm, I'm hungry right now. Five guys sounds pretty good. Burgers, burgers, burgers. All right, we got to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Plenty of coverage up on the Athletic, theathletic.com/slash Hogan Johns. My draft crush team on NBCSportsChicago.com. Tons of coverage from us the next couple weeks, and also. On this podcast, we'll be back Tuesday. Uh, we'll have multiple episodes next week. I mean, we'll have Tuesday. We should get Fishbane back on. I don't know. Tuesday. Yeah, we got to get him on Tuesday. And then, um, you know, then the drafts here. We'll have multiple episodes throughout the weekend. Of course, as we always do in the NFL draft. So follow us on Twitter. Read us. We appreciate it. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell them that over the next couple weeks, this is where you're going to want to be for NFL draft coverage when it comes to the Chicago Bears. We will be here for you. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. (laughs) As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.